0: Amen. Well, we got we have a special a special blessing today. Um, Pastor Chris Sandoval from Servant Church in Logan Heights is going to preach to us today. We did a pulpit swap, so I got to preach to his congregation this morning. It was super fun, uh, and so he is here tonight to return the favor and to preach to us. I asked him to preach specifically this sermon that I knew he had from the Good Samaritan on on um, reflections on racism, because we want to as a church. Uh, be very proactive in our understanding of rooting out racism in the church as it still exists and so and, and to hopefully one day our dream is to truly be a multi-ethnic and multicultural church and part of that is taking on our responsibility to make this church a safe place and so um, I pray that we would all give Chris a warm res welcome. Good evening, everyone. You guys are so far away. Holy cow. Um, I don't bite, and I promise I've gotten my shots. So you guys are welcome to come forward if you'd like. Uh, Thank you, Rob, for for having me here uh, this evening. Thanks for preaching and bringing God's word to us this morning. Uh, You guys have no idea what a blessing it is for a pastor to sit down in his church in the pews Uh, and hear someone else preach, Um, despite what it may seem like we don't like to hear ourselves speak. And uh, it's great when someone else brings God's Word to us. I want to thank ResPrez also for praying for our little church just down the road. Uh, Your prayers are by far the best thing that you can do for us and for our community. So thank you for that. I'm going to jump right into it. Just a let you know our, our church, Servant Church, is named after our Servant Savior. A Servant Savior who, according to Mark 10.45, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. I, uh, I don't tire of telling people that there is no S at the end of our church's name. It's not Servant Church, it is Servant Church because it's in reference to Jesus, not to us. And uh, when Rob asked me this evening to to speak on the topic of racism, of course I said yes. Um, It is not just a personal issue for me as a Hispanic man living in the United States, but it's a pastoral issue. As someone who's ministering to a community um, like ours in greater Logan Heights, Servant Church is specifically focused on serving and loving a community called Greater Logan Heights, a part of San Diego, just south of here. Uh, most of you, if you grew up in San Diego, were probably told, don't stop, don't get off on certain exits, just keep driving south on the five. And if you get off on the wrong exit, just turn around and get out as soon as possible. Um, for over a 100 years... Greater Logan Heights, that's the part of town that we're ministering, has been the place where San Diego has intentionally kept its unwanted people, intentionally kept its unwanted people. Up until the late 1960s, racially discriminatory housing practices and explicit written codes kept minorities out of the rest of the city and forced them into our part of town, into Greater Logan Heights. And nowhere else. Restrictive home covenants were common and strictly enforced in communities like La Jolla, Claremont, Mission Hills, and City Heights. And those covenants read something like this, which I found out in speaking with Rob earlier. He found in his own covenant when he purchased his home words like this No part of said property or any buildings thereon shall be used or occupied by any person not belonging to the Caucasian race, either as owner, leasee, licensee, tenant, or any other capacity than that of servant or employee. Starting with Native Americans, and then with the Japanese, and continuing with African Americans and Hispanics, our community was where San Diego kept everyone it didn't want. For over 100 years, our community has also been intentionally overlooked and underserved because of, race, of the race of its residents. Let me give you just two examples. The freeways and the Coronado Bridge that physically and socially separate our community from the rest of the city were put in place without the consent of and without the foreknowledge of the residents of greater logan heights how would you like a freeway to cut right through your neighborhood through your community let me give you a second example to this day to this day despite having the highest number of children per capita in all of san diego despite having over 10 elementary and middle schools despite having a high school dropout rate of over 50%, despite having 15,000 kids 18 years old and younger, our community still does not have its own high school. We have to ask why. Why don't we have a high school? This evening, for me, speaking on racism, again, is not just a, a personal issue. It's a pastoral issue. It's an issue that affects my neighbors, and therefore it has to affect me as a pastor, and it has to affect our church, servant church, because we are neighbors as well. Today we're going to go through the the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan, and um, admittedly the, the parable of the Good Samaritan isn't specifically or exclusively about racism, but it is relevant to the topic. One, because the parable, this story, deals with loving and serving our neighbors. But two, because the hero of this story is someone who was hated because of his race. And we'll look into that in just a few minutes. We're going to look at racism this evening. We're going to look at a rescue And then we're going to look at response. And yes, I'm Presbyterian, so all three of those start with the letter R. So racism, rescue, and response. Let's read from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. If you've gotten to the book of John or Acts, you've gone too far. Keep going to your left. So Luke chapter 10... Going to read verses 25 through 37. Hear now the word of God. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think? proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you this evening. And Father, we ask that you would not only open up our ears and our minds, but you would open up our hearts, Father. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come to us and change us, Father. That we would not be the same people leaving this place that came in. Father God, we pray that Your Spirit and Your Word would change us this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we begin by considering what racism is, I, I understand that some believe that the term race is itself what you could call a Darwinian construct, and that There really is only one race, the human race. But for the sake of uh, tonight and uh, for, for time, I'm going to stick with conventional terms like race and racism. According to a pastoral letter published by our national church, that is the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, in 2004, racism is an explicit or implicit belief or practice that qualitatively distinguishes or values one race over other races. Racism includes the social exclusion or judgment or the segregating of an individual or group of individuals based on individual differences, which always includes physical appearance and its underlying genetic structure that are hereditary And unalterable. In other words, racism is the individual and the communal belief and the oppressive, unjust, and negligent actions based on the belief that one's race is better than that of others. Racism is believing and then living like you are better than others because of your God given skin color your physical features, and your genetic makeup. Now, there are a lot of reasons why racism is a sin, according to the Bible, but uh, focusing on today's passage, we see that there are three reasons why racism is a sin. Racism is a sin because it breaks the first great commandment. Racism is a sin because it breaks the second commandment great commandment. And finally, racism is a sin because it tries to be right with God and right in general by limiting the number of people you have to love. So let's, let's walk through those three reasons from this passage why racism is a sin. First, racism is a sin because it breaks the first great commandment. If uh, you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, you know that they can be broken down into two commandments. And uh, that's exactly what the lawyer here who approaches Jesus, uh, how he summarizes the, two, the Ten Commandments. And the first great commandment, as a lawyer says, is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. In other words, the first great commandment is to love God with all of you, with all of you. In this sense, racism is a sin because it loves one's race more than it loves God. Racism is basing and defining and looking for your personal identity and worth in your race instead of in God and His love for you. Racism is making your race a good and unique gift from God, the best and the ultimate thing in your life. Racism is making your race the most important thing in your life, more important than God Himself. Making your race your God, the one thing you worship more than anything else, the one thing you fear losing more than anything else, the one thing you get most angry about when it is attacked by others, and the one thing that makes you most happy. Racism, in this sense, is loving your race, not God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Secondly, according to this passage, racism is a sin because it breaks the second great commandment. The second great commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the second great commandment is you shall love others as much as you want to be loved yourself. You shall love others the way you want to be loved by others. And in this sense, racism is a sin because you love yourself more than you love others based on race. In this sense, racism is believing and living like you are worthy of love more than others because of your race. Racism is believing and living like you deserve more dignity, You deserve more respect. You deserve more value than others because of your race, which, by the way, you did nothing to earn or influence. Racism, in this sense, is believing and acting like you are more human than others because of your race. That you are the only one made in the image of God. Racism is denying others dignity, respect, value, love, and service because they have a different race, something that, by the way, they did nothing to influence or to earn. Racism is believing and living like people of other races are less human than you are and that they are not made in the image of God. Racism in our hearts and in our actions, like the robbers in the story that we read, strips others of their dignity, beats others as if they were less than human, and leaves them for dead. Racism in our hearts and in our actions, like the morally upright religious leaders in this story, ignores others. Neglects to care for others and is more concerned about personal comfort, convenience, social cleanliness, and the status quo than it is about others. Finally, from this passage, the third reason why racism is a sin is because racism tries to be right by limiting love to a select Few people. If you remember in this passage, the lawyer um, wants to justify himself. That's what—that's the language that Luke uses here. The lawyer wants to justify himself. He wants to make himself right and good enough to inherit or to receive the reward for being right. And so he asks Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" Who is my neighbor? In other words, Jesus, what is the minimum number of people that I have to love to make myself right with God and better than others? Jesus, give me a list of specific people that I have to love. Jesus, in other words, who is good enough to be my neighbor? And this is what racism does. Racism tries to justify ourselves, to make us right and others wrong by restricting the number and the kind of people we need to love to those who are racially like us. But if you notice, Jesus will not limit the people we have to love. Jesus will not give a list of people that we love have to love. Instead of answering who is good enough to be my neighbor, Jesus forces us to ask, am I good enough to be a neighbor? Instead of answering who is my neighbor, Jesus forces us to ask, am I a neighbor? And instead of answering the question, who do I have to love, Jesus forces us to ask, Who do I have to be? Instead of telling us how we can make ourselves right with God by limiting the number and the kind of people we love, Jesus forces us to realize that if we're going to be right with God, we have to perfectly love and serve anyone and everyone, regardless of their race. Jesus forces us to realize that if we're going to be right with God, we have to perfectly show compassion and mercy to anyone and everyone, regardless of race. Tonight, before we move on to our next point, if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with God, there are people in our lives, and in our community that we don't like. There are people that we don't want to associate with. There are people we don't care for. There are people that we neglect and ignore. There are people that we speak poorly of and treat harshly. There are people that maybe even we detest and hate because of their race, their genetics, their God-given uniqueness. If we're honest with ourselves and with God this evening, we try to justify ourselves. We try to make ourselves right and better than others by convincing ourselves that there are people that we don't have to love, that there are people we don't have to serve, by telling ourselves that there are only a certain number of people that deserve our love and our service. If we're honest with ourselves tonight and with God, we know that left to ourselves, we are no better than the robbers or the religious leaders in this story. We don't want to be a good Samaritan. We don't want to be a good neighbor to anyone and everyone. We care more about our comfort our convenience social cleanliness and the status quo than we care about our neighbor a neighbor who is robbed beaten and murdered because of his or her race tonight if we are honest with ourselves and we we are honest with god we are the ones that need a good neighbor We are the ones that need a good Samaritan to have mercy on us. We're the ones that need someone to have compassion. We are the ones that need help. We are the ones that need healing. We are the ones that need Jesus to rescue us. And that gets us to our next point. Rescue. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' most famous stories and teaching stories. And at the center of the story, we find a hero that was hated because of his race. Most of us probably grew up hearing this story. We've never quite understood that the hero in this story is someone who was hated because of his race. In Jesus' day, Jewish people considered Samaritans to be half-breeds, half-breed Jews. Samaritans were hated because their Jewish ancestors married with non-Jewish people and because they mixed Jewish religion with non-Jewish religion. Samaritans were publicly cursed in Jewish synagogues. And Jewish religious leaders would actually pray on a daily basis that God would not give them eternal life. Imagine walking into a Jewish synagogue and hearing a leader of the the synagogue praying that God would damn Samaritans to hell. And yet... Jesus chooses a Samaritan to be the hero of a story instead of the villain. Despite being socially rejected and racially hated, a racially hated outsider, the Samaritan does in this story what no one else is willing to do. He has compassion and mercy on the half-dead man on the side of the road. He rescues, he helps, he heals the man. He literally undoes everything that has been hatefully and hurtfully, selfishly done to the man. Let me explain. Instead of robbing the man, the Samaritan pays his expenses. Instead of leaving the man to die, the Samaritan stays with him and makes sure that he lives. Instead of abandoning him, the Samaritan promises to return. And more importantly, in every way, the Samaritan doesn't just undo what everyone else has done. The Samaritan doesn't just make right what everyone else has made wrong. But in this story, the Samaritan sacrifices himself in order to save and to serve the helpless stranger. The Samaritan sacrifices his time. He sacrifices his safety. He sacrifices his money. The Samaritan in this story becomes a servant and he risks his own life to save the life of a fellow human being. What's more important for us this evening is that in the story of the Good Samaritan, in the person of the Good Samaritan, we see a reflection of Jesus Himself. We find in this story the hero of our story. We find in this story a hero who although he was an outsider hated by his own people, willingly came to serve and to rescue us from our sin and rescue us from our death. In this story, we find the story of Jesus who sacrificed himself, not just his time, not just his safety, not just his comfort, but his own life that we might live. that we we would not be dead anymore. As we think about racism today, as we think about racism in general and racism in our hearts, we have to look to Jesus to rescue us. We need Him to rescue us from the very reason that racism exists at all. We need him to rescue us from our sin. We need him to rescue us from our selfishness and our self-centeredness, and our hateful and our hurtful sin against God and others. And so this morning I want or this evening I want to ask you, do you need Jesus to rescue you? Do you need Jesus to be your good Samaritan? Tonight, do you recognize that you need to be rescued from death like the oppressed and neglected man in this story? Tonight, do you recognize that by yourself, you are no better than the robbers and the religious leaders in this story? Tonight, do you recognize that you need to be rescued by Jesus? And for those of us who do confess that we need to be rescued, and for those of us who who uh, clearly and publicly acknowledge that we need Jesus to be our Good Samaritan, the story, but more importantly, the sacrifice of Jesus requires a response—a response. A response. That gets us to our last point this evening. If we have been selflessly, mercifully, compassionately, and sacrificially rescued by Jesus, we must go and do likewise. Like Jesus tells the lawyer at the end of the story. We must do our best as individual Christians and as Jesus' church to undo all the hateful and all the hurtful things that have been done to our neighbors and by our neighbors, regardless of their race. We must make right what has been made wrong We must selflessly and sacrificially show mercy and compassion to our neighbors. And let me give you a heads up. Tweeting about this and posting on Instagram is not going to be enough. Just a little heads up this evening. It's going to take something far more sacrificial Far more time consuming and far messier. It's going to take your life, an entire life that daily loves and daily serves others as Jesus has loved and served us. At Servant Church, we are trying individually and as a church to daily love and serve our neighbors who have been demeaned, degraded, and despised because of their race. Let me just give you 3 examples. First of all, by God's grace, we started a church in our community. We started a church in Greater Logan Heights because a Christ-centered grace-filled church shouldn't only be for certain people of a certain color, education, or social status. I kid you not, I've had people tell me don't bother with those kinds of people. They will not get our kind of religion. So we started a church where people thought we shouldn't start a church. By God's grace... Servant Church has started a Christian counseling organization that is specifically focused on the needs, mental and spiritual and otherwise, of our community. Why? Because Christian counseling and care shouldn't be limited to those who can afford it or those who can travel long distances to access it. Let me give you another example that by God's grace As Rob mentioned, we are trying to start a reading club to help the kids of our community right there around the school where we worship on Sundays to read and to learn about Jesus. Because we believe that reading, and more importantly, we believe that reading the Word of God is not just a privilege for a few people, but it needs to be a blessing for many. I'm not listing these things to to boast or to brag about our little church. I'm listing these things to give you an idea of what can be done on a very practical level to fight racism, but more importantly, to love and to serve your neighbor. And all these things and a whole bunch of other things that we're trying to do, they're going to take a lot of time. They're going to take a lot of money. They're going to take a lot of energy. And they're going to take a lot of life if we're going to love and serve others like Jesus loved and served us. And you can love your neighbor too. You can love and serve your neighbor as a church, as an individual, because you have the gospel. You have God's grace tonight, which means that you can do more than just fight racism. You can love and you can serve like Jesus has loved and served you. I want to be very clear tonight as we wrap things up. The gospel that saves us is also the gospel that calls us not just to fight racism, In our hearts and in society, but to daily, sacrificially, love and serve others regardless of race. And we do it not because we're trying to justify ourselves. We do it not because we're trying to be right with God. We do it precisely because we are already justified with God. We do it precisely because we are already right with God through Jesus Christ, our servant, Savior, and our perfect neighbor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this evening as those who too often try to justify ourselves by limiting the number of people that we want to love. Father, we come to you this evening as those who break the first great commandment by loving ourselves more than we love you. We come to you this evening, Father, As those who break the second great commandment, as those who do not love others as we love ourselves. Father God, would you shine the light of your grace into our hearts? Would you cut out the racism in our hearts, in our church? Father, would you replace that racism with grace? Father God, we ask that you would forgive us for neglecting our neighbor, for passing him or her by on the other side of the road because it was more comfortable and convenient for us. Father God, would you forgive us because we so often are more concerned about social cleanliness and the status quo than about our neighbor. Father God, would you turn our eyes to Jesus? Would you turn our hearts to the one who became the hated one? That we might become the loved ones in your sight. Father God, would you turn our hearts to the one who literally died that we might live in him. Father God, would you forgive us? Father God, would you fill us with grace? And would the grace that has been given to us drive us to be gracious And grace filled with our neighbor, regardless of his or her race, regardless of our own race. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our good Samaritan and our perfect neighbor. Amen.